so we have a project. We have a project. We call it OM Champion Project. Hello everyone and welcome to yet another episode of the Marseille View. Um, this week we're reviewing Marseille against Montpellier. Um, as you've probably expected if you've watched a game, uh, quite uh, an impressive outing from Marseille players, um, completely dominating the game from start to finish. But unfortunately, uh, and thanks to, um, to a disaster class from our fullbacks, um, we have uh, managed to only get one point away from that game. Um, so we're going to debrief everything. There's a lot of things that went on in the game. So there's a lot of chances. Uh, a few goals and then red cards uh, fighting and all that stuff so we're going to get into it so um today uh we have uh, the usual lineup uh, but first i'm going to introduce uh the man who's back uh one of the originals uh, who's back after a long uh, long break from the podcast stefan how are you stefan yeah good thanks thanks for having me back yeah yeah how you do how's uh, how's uh, life as a as a dad now um, it's exhausting, but but yeah, I'm like pleased and relieved to get like five minutes actually today. It's probably the first time I've had any time <laughs> to like just sort of you know not be like changing nappies or you know just running around like crazy lugging heavy heavy prams around. But yeah, um, but weirdly like totally enjoyable and all worth it, you know. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, have you managed? Have you managed to watch um, the games then, or are you just kind of trying to like catch the highlights whenever you can? Yeah, I've been watching the games definitely. Like, um, I watched the first. I think right after my baby was born, I watched the first game with him just sitting on my chest the whole time. Um, <laughs> he's he's not able yet to actually look at the screen. He's too little. So, um, but yeah, just, I, I mean, I can kind of like sort of watch the games and like my tablet and things like that just as I'm potting around doing stuff so yeah I always make time for, for the game got to it very good yeah. very good all right and our second speaker is uh so one of the other usuals so we've got Ben Ben how are you Ben good everyone good um good to hear Steph that things are going well and I imagine that some of the performances from three or four weeks ago were quite pleasant for the baby to sleep to because there was not a lot going on <laughs> Yeah, true. <laughs> I should say actually, like I have bought him uh, when baby grew a few months back. But <laughs> he's too small for it right now, but eventually I'll get him and I'll get a picture sent out once it, once he grows a bit. That's brilliant. We'll put him on the logo of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. And uh, the last one is Ed. Hi, bet. Hi, Ed. I'm all right. All right, Lucas. Yeah, yeah. How yep. you feeling? Uh, angry. You're usually uh, the loud voice of the podcast, so I'm expecting some. Uh, uh, well, I was a bit pissed off having to miss the start for a women's game. Oh, uh, yeah. With, with those two Ooh. teams. With the, with no, no, not because of the women football itself. It's the shitty fucking two teams that were playing inside it. You know, we had to I know. Was, I was wondering you up, mate. I was wondering you up. I, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I just, it, was a bit, it, was a, it was terrible. Uh, terrible but, uh, yeah, not really impressed. We need, I told you my player would be tough, and we got, we got to see that, unfortunately. But... It is yeah, what it is. it's true. It's true. Well, actually, we're going to get into the game, but yeah, I agree with you. Like, it was always going to be a difficult affair, but like, you know, we're used to Mont- Montpellier always closing the game, playing eleven men behind the ball, and actually, um, against all all of my expectations, anyway, we, we completely dominated this game from start to finish. Um, so, if you go through some of the stats of the game, we had to be expected 67 percent of the possession. But we actually managed to get 24 shots on target. Um, I remember in the first half we've got 13 or 14, and that was our highest um, highest amount of shots in the first half for nearly a year. Um, a lot of crosses, a lot of chances created, um, twice the amount of passes, twice the amount, no, nearly 10 times the amount of crosses, um, successful crosses. Um, you know, complete domination, but 
unfortunately we weren't able to to put out a win and so I think if we jump through like the general impressions of the game Stefan what, what do you think what were you expecting and how did it turn out for you Ooh, to be honest I wasn't really expecting very much or at least I hadn't really given it too much thought but um, I would say that you know in hindsight the way the game played out is exactly how you know I probably should have predicted it because you Montpellier are such a solid defensive team and they do like to sit back and try and steal like 1-0 victories and where, where they can so it's not surprising that they you know that they when once they got the goal that they were you know just completely um parking the bus um so yeah i think i wouldn't like i, I mean i personally wouldn't read too much in to the amount of like possession that Marseille had and the chances he created because of that because I would expect Montpellier to cause, to, to do that because they're comfortable doing that. Yeah but I mean th- tell me if I'm wrong but com- if you compare it to previous games against Montpellier in terms of possession in terms of posi- like like position on the field I agree it's the same as usual but in previous years we've really never really managed to create any chances and seeing that the, like, I mean, the lack of, of, of tactics in terms of offensive tactics since the start of the season. Were you were you expecting Marseille to have like twenty four shots? No, no, you're I, you're probably right there. Um, I mean, I don't, I haven't looked at any data or anything with um, looking at previous matches. So if that's if you're saying that that's different, then yeah, then that is a, a point worth making. Um, we definitely did look good on the ball, and we were creating chances. We were just. Um, struggling to get the goal, and I, I wouldn't like I wouldn't be too critical about that either. Like in another game, we might be, you know, complaining that we aren't putting the ball in the net. But you know, as we s- said earlier on, Montpellier are really comfortable defending and soaking up pressure. So you don't expect Montpellier to concede many goals in these kind of games. So so yeah, I guess like that is a positive that um, the play looks quite fluid and um, that we were creating chances and we were dominating yeah okay um so ben ben what what, what did you think about the game yeah similar to steph um i i agree with both your opinions actually but yes i wouldn't read too much into it because montpellier are always going to leave the opposition the ball especially away i mean they, they tend to keep the ball a bit more at home and try and do something a bit more but they away they will always shut up shop and notably at the velodrome those last few seasons um, but but to your point, Lucas, I, I agree that what we actually did with the ball, the same we had the possession, we weren't sterile. We were always looking, I mean, there, there was a, a bit of a floating period in the first half when we conceded the goal, but I think the goal actually woke, woke us up. Yeah, um, it's it, yeah, it's it's what we've been used to for so long, isn't it, with, exactly. with Rudy Garcia. It's having yeah. the possession, but really, what is the idea? And even since the start of the season, you know, I would argue that since the start of the season, we had a possession a lot, but we never really looked dangerous. But this yeah. game, it was just like every time we had the ball, it, we we did something out of it, you know? Yeah, and, and I, I saw the game against Monaco, obviously, but it was a bit of a crazy game. And, and I, I, again, you can't take too much tactical analysis away from that one. But this game, um, I agree with you. I, I was quite impressed. And what impressed me was this was the first time I, I, I get the impression this season that what we saw in some of the warm-up games, whether it was in the US or against Napoli, where against Napoli we lost, but we were pressing quite high as a team and as a unit. And we did, we actually put that in action for the first time in the league. And I, I think that that is, is the main positive I take away from it. We looked good as a unit and we looked very solid. Yeah. All right, Ed, um, what were your thoughts on the game? Uh, well... Not much to be enthusiastic about. Like I said, it's Montpellier. They're not going to be easy. But I feel we let ourselves down a lot. The discipline was poor. The defence was shocking. I mean, Boone starts on goal was pathetic. I know we can all sit down and all blame the Marvy, but, well, who put the ball into the back of the net? Into the net, sorry? That was bizarre. And also, losing uh, Alvaro is going to be a major loss. Yeah, I mean... Club what... in the coming... In the coming weeks, it's going to be major. I mean, I didn't expect much, but he's done really well so far. And to lose him for five weeks is going to kill us. Yeah, I agree. I mean, when you look at it, like they—they, they, I mean, they did score two goals that were admittedly slightly offside, 
But I mean, mm. it, it's really, it, it, I mean, between offside and not offside in those two goals, it, it's, you know, there's nothing in there. So it could literally be just as easily be 3 0 and would have been mm. just done for. Yeah, there, yeah. yeah, there would have been a complete uh, riot in the Velodrome. But we had a penalty disallowed. The handball from Montpellier was just, the fact that it wasn't called was a disgrace. Yeah. Um, but you're going to, again, I have to say, we have to stop k- kicking Valerie top. Jaman's arse around the corner. Who's he putting? Oh, I think I think we lost Ed. Um, yeah, I think he was just, he was about to say like how impressive Jaman was, uh, and I agree. I think we'll, we'll probably get back to him when we do the line by line analysis. Um, yeah. But yes, yeah, so... um, I guess yeah. With with what Ed was saying, yeah, you can't, you can't be too impressed. But you, I, I take a lot of, of encouragement yeah, we... from the fact that. Tactically, you know, we, we seem to now be the, the system seems to be on point, even though I'm still well, I think we're, we're all still a bit reserved about the 4 3 3, but it actually mm. works in this game. And, and it, I think it's a tactic that works for us when we will have the possession, but when we won't in the bigger games, that's when we'll need to change it up. Yeah, it's, I agree. It's I agree. Worked. It's sort of, sort of worked, but it didn't get the results. Yeah, Enough. yeah, I agree. And when I was watching the game, I thought that we didn't really play as a four-three-three. I thought we played more as a four-three-one-two. But when I looked at kind of the the heat map of the players and like you know the the average position of the players on the pitch, Payet was basically like we had um, eight players whose average position on the pitch was inside the Montpellier's path, and then Payet was basically hugging the sideline on the left. So we did, yeah, we did pretty much play in a four-three-three and. I mean, yes, we didn't win, but in terms of chance creations, it, it, it was just right up there. So I think we might see what Vitas Boas wanted to do since the start with that formation, which I've been really sceptical about. But I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes. So I think the next thing um, I want to talk about before we just dive deeper into the game is is really what happened, you know, like the incidents with the referees. <laughs> I mean, it feels like every Marseille game, there's a referee controversy and... We've had quite a few yesterday. So we've had, if you let me list them, so we've had, um, tell me if, I, if I'm if i being ridiculous, a bit paranoid, but we've had the uh, incursion from Maxim Lopez, where he was elbowed in the face in the in the uh, 18 yards. We've had Camaro's shot that was deflected twice by the Montpellier player's hands. Uh, and we've had uh, the one-two between Payet and Sanso, and Payet gets taken out in the box. Um, during his run. Then we've got the fight between Ferry and Radonich, which ends up being a red card for Kamara for some reason. And then you've got the red card against Paya. So, I mean, out of all of them, I mean, which one do you find more most ridiculous and which ones do you think is deserved? There's also Paya's red card as well. Yeah. yeah don't don't even, yeah. Did you hurry? Sorry. No, I did it. Um, guys, it's, it's difficult. I, I, I'm. As, as pissed off as I am at the, at the referees, and I, I'm more pissed off. So the handball decision for me, I, I'm not really, I'm on the fence with that one because yes, mm. it's been given against us, um, but you know I'd be pissed off if it was against us again in this game. If, if it had touched Kamara's hand barely like it did against Monaco, and we it would have been given against us, I'd be fuming. So I, my point of view on that is that I, I, I I'm, I'm not in agreement at all with this new handball rule where they where they automatically give give well they're supposed to fucking automatically give the penalty or the foul or the, the foul but at the same time I'm, I'm very pissed off at the inconsistency of the refereeing depending on who's on the pitch and we just know that those decisions if they were the other way they would always most more than likely go against us and that's what pisses me off the most hmm yeah i agree i agree with that completely um I think that, I mean, the the penalty shouts like the Lopez one, you know, there's there was a Piet one as well. Yeah, I don't think like maybe maybe not. I'm not I'm not gonna lose like any that much sleep over them. I think the the handball though, I agree with you, um, Ben. It's like the, it, it depends about how you you know how you interpret the rule like if it if you know nowadays it seems to be like if it touches a hand it's a penalty so and then if you think in, in that way then it should have been a penalty but it would have been a pretty light shitty penalty to give away if it'd been the other way around you'd be quite upset because it clearly wasn't deliberate you know um the sending offs 
that just it just went a bit crazy about that point um, at the end of the game. And I, I, well, it's just actually, another evidence that French referees just have no psychology and just their their way of dealing with situations is just to just punish everyone. There was something the first ending off right where um, Ferry and Kamara got sent off. I forget who it was, but he the who was the original player? Radonich. Um, Radonich, right? So Radonich actually, if I remember, he goes to slap um, Ferry or something, or he pushes him or something. Yeah, and he misses. So why? Yeah. So, but I don't. I from the the angle that I saw of the camera, I couldn't really see Kamara do anything other than charge in. Right, he charged in, but it looked like Radonich, from what I'd seen, what he'd done was more you know, questionable than what Kamara had done. So I, I personally thought it was going to be Radonich that was going to get sent off, not Kamara. Um, and yeah, Ferry, that's, that's so. what I thought. I thought they made a mistake in the broadcast. I thought they... Yeah. So, yeah, it just, it, but it just all seemed like a total mess by that point. And I think the, the referee got, like, um, he got kind of caught in the middle of it. And I think possibly because of that, he felt like his authority, you know, may have been... Um, you know, like compromised, they weren't respecting his authority, and and he kind of lost the the game a bit, and that's possibly why he started just brandishing red cards. And um, to be honest, some other referees might have not brandished any cards for that, or red cards for that. They might have just given them all yellows and sort of given them all a warning. But he just kind of went a bit, a bit crazy and sort of lost his head. Yeah, what do you think, Ben? Uh, what do you think, Ed? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think the um, well, f- first off, Kamara should have never got in the way uh, when uh, Brandovich and Ferry had their little contracts on. Um, it was probably them two who deserved the cards or the red card. The second one for me, Payet, yeah, he called the referee a motherfucker from what I've heard. Okay, it's not very nice, and yeah, it's not particularly polite, but. It's a stressful moment. It's the heat of the moment. Heat in the match. You say stupid shit. Uh, I don't think it was a sending off. It was a booking, and it was just a warning. The other, the second foul. Um, I don't really see the. I don't really see the problem. But we have to be more disciplined. Randovich didn't need to get involved with Ferry. Ferry's a gobshite who, who thinks he's something special <laughs> because his dad used to play with Marseille when they were in the real Dodgems. Well, yeah, but Sorry. I think it's, I think what it, I think you, you really can see in two lights. I think that Reed is sending off and towards the end of the game, it was clearly just Montpellier's way of just trying to end the game. They could see that they were getting rolled and the way to kind of hash the game up is just doing fouls and getting to fights. Because we've literally, in the last 10 minutes, we saw nothing. It was just, there was only like, what, like five minutes of extra time when the, all of the last 10 yeah. minutes was literally just fighting and, and arguments. So we really just fell into their trap. And if you look at the incidents, I, I think the reason why Kamara was sent off is because he doesn't do anything more than what Chaitatsar does and Lopez does because they just come to the defense of Radonic. But where he goes wrong is that, one, he's the first one to do it. And two, he charges and pushes Ferry as well as the referee. Yeah. So, like, it's kind of be, it can be seen as him just kind of, like, yeah. physical contact with the yeah, referee. So that's a sent out, sent off. Yeah, I'm pissed off with, with the attitude. I mean, we know we are going to get scrutinised more than other teams, and this is going to go against us every time. Again, the, the players need to keep their heads. I mean, I, yeah. I get the heat of the moment. I'm, I'm more pissed off with Payet, to be honest, who's an experienced player and who should not be... I, I, still, I saw a stat saying that he got fouled Fifth, well, or he got sort of fouled or put under pressure 50 odd times um, during the game, and barely any of them got given. Yeah. Um, and I, I can understand his frustration, but as an experienced player, you can't give in to debates because we've now seriously fucked ourselves for the next few games, which, frankly, the next two games we, we would have expected to, you know, pick up at least three or four points, and, and that is mm. going to be quite challenging now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Actually, yes, yeah, referee, I agree with you. It's... The referees overreact. I mean, Payet insults him, and, and what pisses me off is we've seen incidents last year where Depay slaps a referee, gets nothing for it. We've seen we've seen incidents where a lot of players from other clubs are being leniently let off. We just know we instead of moaning about it, we just have to accept we're going to be scrutinised. We're going to be we're going to get dodgy decisions against us all the time because of who we are. 
So it, it's, it is what it is. Players, after this game, I, I would hope Villas-Burs sits all, both of them down and all of them down and says, guys, don't give in to the bait. Keep your fucking heads because we are going to get penalised more than any other team. Yeah, I think yeah. I think I, I kind of agree with you. Like, Kamara, I think what happened, like, like I said, like it's just basically they come to the defence of Radonic and the referee's just in the way, so he, he pushes him. Like, so it's kind of like, I think in the spirit, I can agree with Kamara. It's like don't like just coming to defense of his teammate. Payet just gets frustrated because the foul was given on the other side, and he just goes to the referee and just lets his anger out of him. Like you shouldn't one know better, and two like have you seen how like fucked we are up front? Surely you wish like I know I know it's difficult in the heat on the moment to think about that stuff, but you're precious to the team. You can't just lose it. Yeah, and he's, he's done it before. He's done it before. The, yeah. You know, bearing in mind that he, he got, this is the Dimitri Payet that got suspended for, you know, that sort of insulting and directly insulting referees walking down the tunnel after a game. Yeah. So he, he knows he's in, he's in the crosshairs. He's he got a he's temper. Gonna, yeah. Exactly. But I don't mind having but a temper. It just it, needs to be timely. It's the old, it's the old phrase, you know, sit down and shut up. Yeah. I'm not saying sit down, but you just gotta shut up and get on with it. Yeah, and and for the penalty shouts, it's I, I agree for you as well. If you ask me like an idea world, well, I'm the referee. I would say that's not a penalty, but I wouldn't say the camera is a penalty either. It's it, the the rule was made this year because they they said there was a lack of consistency in penalty calls, right? Because some handballs were given, but like you have to look at is it away from the body, is it intentional, blah, blah, blah. So they're trying to put some consistency and say most of the handballs in the in the, in the 18-yard box will be cold. And this is exactly the same as Kamara's one. So from one yeah. week to the other, you just don't call it. And Ben, you said like you would be pissed off it in the same game Kamara got called for a penalty. What if next week he gets called for a penalty? And it's just like, well, what? We just no, have to forget no, it? I, I'm not... No, I mean for the same incident. If it was exactly the same incident the other way... You know, you'd expect it to be given, and and I, I don't frankly remember if the players actually claimed it, and I don't know if they put pressure on the referee. Um, did they? I don't even remember. I, I don't remember. That's besides the point. That's why you have the videos to stop people from just bullying the referee and diving and stuff. For them to objectively yeah. see things without players having to call for things, and that's just where VAR call doesn't it. Work. No. I don't that's where VAR doesn't work. I don't even remember the commentator saying anything about no, it. Exactly. I, 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 think I only saw it today. I've only seen I, it today. But I saw it at the time. But nobody was saying anything yeah. about it. I, I saw. I saw it on bloody. I saw it on friggin' Twitter. My question is: Do we get rid of VAR? I don't. I don't think we should. I don't. I think VAR makes mistakes, but so do the referees. Well, but no, the, the this, big problem this, seems this, to this, be. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, that's my my fault. It's the quality of the French refereeing. They should be getting things in their ears from the cabin outside saying, uh, "Hang on a minute, you better have a look at this," or "You better have a look at this." You know, just it, it's it's stupid. You know, it's one. It's one ruling for one referee and one ruling for the other. Yeah, they yeah. Sure, it's yeah. called out all the time. It's ridiculous. It's a process thing. I think it's a process problem. Look, we all work, guys. We've all, we've all got flowcharts with processes on if this happens, here's what you do, has it been fixed, yes, no, go back to square one, or, or carry on. And, and the, the big problem is that because it's still a grey area where it's left, yes, VAR can say to referee, I think we should look at this. But that does not force the referee to have to go and look at it. It's still down to their individual appreciation. If they say to VAR, no, I don't think it, it, it's what happened, I'll carry on. Mm -hmm. There's nothing forcing them to go and check it. So that's one problem. And the second biggest problem, which in, in all honesty, it's, it's a fucking embarrassing way to work, and it's typically French. Referees actually get rated down if they use VAR. So what's the point of having that tool that is there to support them and help help them make the right decisions if when they use it, you're going to penalise them and it may result in some of them that aren't performing that well or who have, you know, average ratings that are on sort of that borderline between doing League 2 games and League 1 games, then it's not going to help anybody and that needs to change. That's the most important thing that needs to change in my eyes. Mm. Well, that should go to the French Football Federation. They make these pathetic <laughs> calls. You should be getting... You should be getting you should be getting marked up for using VAR if it's yeah. correct. The only time you should be marked down for using VAR is if you get the call wrong or you don't see it. Yeah. End off. It's, I think it's again we look we, we talk we talk about this every season. Why are the French referees so shit? 
And now we've got another excuse to whack them with, and that's VAR. Yeah. We need to we need to give the referees freedom. But you're not gonna have it if you say you get use that, you're gonna be refereeing, I don't know, Colm versus Auxerre next week. You know, that's that's the thing. You need to be told, okay, use it, but if you get it wrong, you get them hard down. That's the only thing that should happen. Yeah. Alright, let's not let's not let's not uh, steer this uh this quite um, this quite Satisfying game, uh, just on uh, and just focus on on referee decisions because I, I think it really wouldn't do this game justice. Um, yeah, I was just going to make a final point because they yeah. got two good decisions though as well. Well, we one pair scored two goals um, and they got they got chopped off for being offside, and then and, you know we could have lost them, you know, so we can't just complain about the refereeing because we did. Apart from you know obviously those incidents, we did actually benefit as well. And some and with some of the decisions more than we might have done in other games. Well, yeah, but they're rightful bad. decisions. It's not like we got yeah, we got let off. They are offside. Yeah, but sometimes those decisions might not have been right. You know. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, um, if we just kind of move line by line, not not. I mean, we can focus on a specific player per line if you want. If if it's really atrocious, aka Amavi. But um, we'll probably move line by line. Do you guys want to say anything about Mandanda or? Didn't we have much no. to do? Isn't it? Nah, again, he just two shots. Two right, shots, okay. but he, I mean, he didn't save any of the offsides one either. <laughs> exactly. Nah, he didn't. He didn't. But yeah, not nothing really much, much to do. Uh, right, so I mean, we we'll, I mean, pretty, pretty logical to just uh, to just move on from. In terms of the back line, so we got Gonzalez, who was, I mean, came off five minutes, five minutes into the game, which is quite quite a big, big, big blow, but. Then he was replaced by Chaitzar. What did you guys think about the our defensive, our defensive outing? Well, b before going on to the individuals that I'm, I'm, I think we're all going to berate very heavily, usual suspects. But Chaitzar was saying he's not played the game since the beginning of the season. I thought did all right when he came on. And he he was very strong, notably against Delors. I think he, he stood up to the physical challenge that Delors can pose, and he didn't lose his head or foul, foul him unnecessarily. Um, I, I think we played quite a high line after he came on, and that's a credit to his, his sort of technical ability. He's not the best at positioning, but he is very good with the ball at his feet when it comes to picking a pass and playing out from the back. So I, I thought he did well to come on. Um, Camara, still a bit shaky about him. Um, he got caught out of position a few times where he has his little lapses in concentration. I was quite quite impressed with his second half because he managed to, he, he seemed to grow in confidence. He was getting forward quite a bit and he, he even had that shot, obviously, with the penalty incident. But he was getting forward and he was he was actually, you know, he seemed like he had the lungs to go back and forth and, and try and participate in the build-up play. Bunasa, not great, put in a few crosses, but overall a bit anonymous and obviously got a, got a shit own goal. 12 crosses, and, and 12 crosses. Yeah, 12 crosses and didn't find a partner a single time, but I, you know, I'm not going to smash Benedetto because he, he was alone against three defenders, but he, some of his crosses were shit, a few were okay-ish. Yes. We, we just didn't have enough people in the box. It's every game, man. I, I, I've said it before, I really don't like Bunasa. He's the, the first player I'd sell in the, te in the, in the squad. I just think he's he's really fast, makes runs. They never the crosses never come to anything. I just don't think he's good enough. Um, and yeah, some he's a he does have the occasional calamity defensively, as we saw, you know, with the own goal. In fact, they were getting caught out as well a little bit. The defense, you know, the positioning. Um, you said that you're right. The two defenders, Chaleta Saar and Kamara, they played high. They're good on the ball. Um, in fact, I think I saw both of them, you know, having a, attempts on goal. Like, yeah, you could see they when they were always like on the edge of the box. Yeah, yeah, which is, I mean, that just shows you the way the game was, didn't it? But, but it's good to see um, that the, you know you want defenders. I, I like that um, defenders that can play football, a bit like you know we've seen in um, Spain and the Spanish national team and stuff. The, the, you know, it's been a big part of the the, the, the play. Um, it's quite impressive, and it just it means you've got another additional players that are contributing to the actual the forward play but um i did think that they do get caught out their positioning both players and it's like every week with those two um they they're still there and they're young you know so and i thought 
Yeah, Mavi wasn't. He didn't have a great game. He actually played well recently, but he didn't have a. He didn't have his best game defensively. He he was all over the fucking shop. I mean, in, at times in the first half, he was a right back. He was a left wing. I, yeah, I I can't. You know, as, as much as I did, wouldn't say praise him, but I cut him a bit of slack for his, his recent half decent performances. He's just gone back to square one, and, and you cannot. We cannot play a whole season and hope for top three with a player. And he's not the only one, but he's the main culprit who is inconsistent and who gets caught out and, and just seems to completely forget his football. He seems he plays like an amateur at times. His positionings are always getting caught with people running behind him. I, I just can't be dealing with it anymore. I mean, I've, there were four of us watching it at my place, and we we're just screaming the, the whole time. Look behind you. What the fuck are you doing out on the right? Get back to left back. Yeah. What do you think, Ed? Uh, well, apart from Alvaro, almost I thought the defence was crap. It was just diabolical. And Bonasar, I'm with you all on this. Bonasar was shocking yesterday. He ran around like a headless chicken. Scored that pathetic own goal. I, I know. I know you have to. Make sure you have to try and kick the ball out into for throwing. But what was he playing at near the box? And you tap it in. No, he wasn't yeah. even under pressure. I mean, the guy was three no. yards behind him. No, exactly. He could he could have enough time to park his car before the ball came over. But just ah, it's, it's not it's not good enough. Yeah, yeah it's really shocking. If, if, yeah. Exactly. In a, in, a, in a game where we only concede two shots, the fact that we've got mm. so much to say about the defense really tells you something, doesn't it? it yeah, it tells you tells you all. Yeah. If I, we can't, I'm gonna say one one more point. I hate to interrupt you. Go for it. But I feel that if we can't get a clean sheet against Montpellier, what chance have we got against PSG, Lyon, Lille, Saint Etienne? When we have to get a clean sheet if we want to win, it's it's simple. We have to be more. I say it again, we have to be tied to the back. But if we're going to concede against Montpellier, what chance have we got? You might as well just throw top three out the window. Let's just move on to next season and just tank. Because again, we cannot concede to little te- to littleish teams. Montpellier are going to be challenging for the top three or the Europa League, and we've conceded to them. We should have lost three-one because those two goals were a tiny bit offside. Yeah, they, they could have literally gone either way. And, I mean, I was talking to, to one of the OM Nation guys um, after the Monaco game, and I was mm. just talking about the offside rules and stuff in the VAR, and, I, and my my re, my like point was, if the, the offside is less than 20 centimetres, I mean, the spirit of the offside rule is to prevent strikers from just basically standing in front of the goal, right? Yeah. If you're that close, when you need to get a replay, and we've seen in the Tottenham against Leicester game, when they have to not only get the line, but they have to do a vertical line perpendicular to see if it's that close. For me, it's not an offside. So, and I, if it was up to me, I would have said it's close enough in both goals where you're not sure. And for me, it's a goal. It should be advantage to the strikers. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, just I mean, quickly, what I thought about a defense. It's it's quite a difficult game to for me to analyze the defense because it's you know like like i said like the the average position of of our players i mean eight of our players average position was in there in montpellier's half only chatatsar and strutman there whose their average position was in our own own half so it really tells you how how we dominated this game and how i mean how attacking our fullbacks and kamara was doing because to your point steph kamara was just basically hanging around the edge of the box most of the second half but i mean it's I mean, if for me, it's just, I mean, just mistakes, like individual mistakes. For the first goal, one, Amavi gets done like a, like a rookie. Kamara is way off positioning. I mean, they, they showed it after the game. He should have been at least five yards deeper, but he gets caught, just a lack of attention, and then he just gets caught and it's too, too late to actually get back on the ball. And Bunasar, I mean, come on. We talk about, we talk about own goals. Where you know that it's like either the, the defender tries to make a play and then he puts in his own goal, or the striker's gonna score anyway. But here, the goal, the, the ball is coming from the edge of like basically the corner spot. His vision is not impaired by by any other player. He hasn't got any pressure. What are you doing? 
You can literally take three touches and then still take it out. You can pass it to Mandanda easily. You, like, I mean, I don't understand why you're, you're in such panic to just with uh, this, your weak foot try to make a play on it. It's Bunassar, Lucas. We watched a game last season against Nîmes where he fucking falls over and picks the ball up in the area in the 93rd minute and, and hoping he gets the foul. He, he's not the most intelligent of, of players. And I, I, yes, I fault him because his positioning was quite poor. I'm not quite sure why he was that close to the goal line because he, he, he didn't seem to have any awareness, as you say, of who, of who was around him and where his teammates were. But again, it, it happens fast um, and... Communication isn't there, and quite well. Another thing I will say because we, we you guys mentioned Mondanda, Mondanda maybe should come for that, but again, it, it does happen very fast. Yeah, I think I think the whole the whole defense is, is at fault apart from Treta, who wasn't in in the play. Maybe you can ask yourself where he was, but I mean, yeah, I think if we had a concluding point by the defense, it's it it was it was difficult. It's difficult to judge the defending because we played so high and basically had the ball like two thirds of the time. But there, there's just some big, big lapses in judgment and big lapses in attention. But um, we're going to be playing with a new defence soon, anyway, so yeah. it might look differently. Yeah, I think we, actually we, we, we couldn't, we can mention like how it's going to look in in the next week. So Alvaro Gonzalez touch, touch is injured for these five weeks. Touch on that. Yeah, touch on that in when we when we cover next week's game because we've got to do the midfield and the attacks. So cool. Yeah, let's do that. Right, so moving on to the midfield. Um, last week we split it into two between Strutman and then the partnership between Lopez and Sanson. Seeing how it's basically the same same team this this week, how how we probably can judge the same way. So, how, what do you think about Strutman, guys? Uh, irrelevant, irrelevant. That's all he did. He, I couldn't. I mean, where was he? Really, apart from the assist, it was it was a bit flat from him. But he was the only one in midfield who turned up. Sanson made a couple of absolute shit houses misses, and Ron J ran around like a moron. So nothing what? really to that harsh, man. No, I thought they had a good game. Well, <laughs> wow. oh, classic Edberg. Wow, right? Um, <laughs> oh, oh, I just see like. I mean, so upset, but um, I mean, Strutman's like, I guess he's a bit of a water carrier type, isn't he? Like, you kind of forget he's playing a lot of the time. Um, I don't really have a lot to say, but um, but he played it. so low. He basically he's the reason why our defense was playing so high up the pitch and we pressed so high is because he sacrificed himself, didn't he? Yeah. So maybe you don't, you I, don't I was... appreciate him as well as much as you should do. Yeah, I think he did a lot of the dirty work. He does. Um, there's an expression that goes in, in rugby, you know, the, the shit that people don't see. And I think that's that's a lot of what he, he did in yesterday's game. He did nothing of note. I think he had a, he had an attempt of a shot that was again because Montpellier had fucking ten men in the box. Every shot we had from outside the area seemed to hit a leg or a head or, or a chest or something, go out for a corner. But um, yeah, he, he did nothing of note, but I wouldn't say he was anonymous. I, I think, as, as you guys say, he sacrificed himself and he, he did enable the defence to be able to push up because mm. my analysis from last week is he doesn't have the legs to play alone in that position. And maybe he heard it because he, he seemed to extend a lot less effort, but to position himself a lot better this week. I thought um, Sanson didn't have a great game. I felt like he was... Um, he. Because the, the week before, I think he had an excellent game, I, I thought, and um, I think th like this week, he was trying lots. You know, he was trying to make passes. He was trying, but he just wasn't pulling anything off. And he was uh, he was Bambi on ice in the first half. He was losing yeah. his footing. Every yeah, he he was struggling. He was really trying, and I mean, you want your midfielders to try and take risks and try and push themselves and and the team to the next the next level because that's how you win, isn't it? And that's how they progress. And he, he is, he's trying, but he wasn't having a great game. Um, whereas, you know, like somewhere, someone like Lopez actually had a very good game, but Lopez doesn't doesn't take any risks. He never, he doesn't try to shoot enough. He doesn't try enough to make those final balls. He's too safe sometimes. So there's, you know, sometimes like this, there's a kind of healthy in between somewhere between the two, um, the, the, the two performances of Lopez and Sansa. Yeah. I yeah, can I, I forgot to I, I forgot to I forgot to mention because I thought he was probably the best player on the pitch, and Dan I thought he played all right. You know he he played the best out of the bunch. He was coming up for his teammates' miscues, 
I feel, I feel Max, Maxi Lopez redeemed himself after last week. Just to show it was such a bad performance. Otherwise, we would be praising him to high heaven. Yeah. We'd be reclaimed. The weeks before. Yeah, he, he, oh, I, I agree. I agree. I was yeah, impressed. We, we, if we'd won, we'd be reclaiming him as Marseille's Iniesta again and not giving him all that media hype. <laughs> he's saying he'd be off to Barcelona again like it was 2017. You know, it's... Yeah, I guess, let, let's face it, you know, he, this, that's the type of game where he will do well because we're not being pressed by the opposition and, and they're just having yeah. to sit back. So when we have possession, Lopez will always be a good performer because he'll have time on the ball. I, I still think he takes too many touches on the ball, but he'll always have more time on the ball to pick a pass and look for runs and, and decide what he's going to do with it. Um, in other games, I think he doesn't play so well, and that's an area where he needs to improve when he when he gets pressure quickly from the opposition. So, uh, yes, again, it comes down to personnel in specific games, and uh, yes, again, to to Lucas' point last week, AVB is stubborn and he's persisting with the same lineup. And, and I mean, I think we complained a lot about Garcia changing it up too much last season, but again, persisting with the same lineup works while it works, but in some games he will need to, to change it up a bit and change the, the, the shape of it because it's not going to work against every team. Do you think though that Lopez is realistically long term throughout, say throughout, even throughout the season is going to keep his place? Because I just think like in Rangier I see someone who can do a lot of the similar things that Lopez can do. He, he can pick passes at ease. In fact I think his passing might actually be more effective. Um, than, than Lopez's and he's also very good technically but maybe a little bit better physically I just think that Lopez might find himself kind of pushed out eventually because there's someone else who potentially offers the same things but a bit more maybe he doesn't get up and down run around as much as Lopez but... it's a different Angier as, as we discussed last week I think he's more suited to playing next to Streetman um, and well I, I say that um, he did say in his interview, and again, I, I've not watched him enough at Nantes to know this, because when, when they played us earlier this summer, I thought he did well. He was pretty deep in midfield and he did well at picking passes and just sitting in that, in that holding position. So I think it would work there because that's where he played at Nantes. But he did say that he likes to get forward and he, he fancies himself as a bit of a number 10. So yeah. who knows in the, next, in the next few weeks with the absences we're going to discuss shortly, who knows if he gets his chance a bit further up. Yeah, I agree. Right, um, I think we'll probably move on to one of the most uh, the most talked about player of this week in this game, um, and actually probably talk about the the, the attacking trio in general. Um, what did you think about Payet on the left wing, Gemma on the right wing, and Benedetto up front? Were you satisfied? Because I mean, only one goal was scored, um, but again, as I said, like twenty four shots were. I mean, only five shots on target, so. What's your conclusion about about this trio? Didn't work. It worked simple, you know. No, Bar Benedetto, they were both playing out of position. I feel you have to play to up front. Pyatt was awful on the left wing. Misty, he was was all over the place. Like like I've said earlier, he was all over the shots, and it wasn't a good performance from him. Benedetto couldn't get any service, and Jaman was looking to get the goal. It didn't work. We have to go back to two up front. Not this pathetic wing system where we're trying to substitute someone for Durban. It just doesn't work. Enough. Let's get back to two up front because that's the only way we're going to get goals and we're going to get wins this season. End of. Jesus said. Jesus said. I think we're going to end up in a boxing ring because I don't disagree. I don't agree at all. Oh, um, for God's sake! I, I mentioned last week that Benedetto. This was his first big test because he was going to be very isolated, and it proves to be the case. And, and for all his, his you know, his, his te- I think he did very well technically in the first half. Where in his first touch, he did a couple of layoffs, which set up a few chances. And, he was unlucky to not score. It was a great save by the non-keeper when he gets played in by Kamara, I believe. And he mm-hmm. has a shot first time with his left foot and the non-keeper takes it out. I was impressed with Germain again, his work rate. And, and you could tell because look at the first half, all of the chances going down the left on MV's side because we know Payet doesn't track back. No danger on the right side because Germain runs his heart out. And then when, when we went behind and in the first half, I think, Luca, you commented during the game in the chat that we seem to have switched to the 4-3-2-1, mm-hmm. or, or, or at least we seem to have moved Payet more centrally. Germain also got more central. 
he didn't have a great first half. I thought he was much better in the second half. Um, so I, I, I agree with Ed to the extent that I don't think it works if the, the player, if, if we're up against a team like that who's going to be sitting deep. But against Monaco, it worked great because, let's face it, we scored four goals and we were creating a lot of chances. Well, we didn't create a lot of chances, but we were very realistic in front of goal. And the, all, all three of those players mentioned participated heavily in that win because they all got a goal each. So it's going to depend on the opposition and it's more systemic. I don't think it's down to the individuals. Yeah, I think, Steph, I'll, I'll give you the closing statement on, on our attack, but... I have to back up um, Ben's statement. I, th I thought Bayet was our well key playmaker, and I think we saw the Bayet of old. Uh, he he came back to to get balls. I think he he was a bit too shy about shooting. I think he kept trying to just give the part give the ball to Benedetto. So a lot of times he had the chance to shoot and maybe score, but he just chooses the wrong option. But I th in terms of like like you know like sentinel that actually like directs the play like all the balls were going through him and most of the time it was going to the to the right man is unfortunately we weren't able to actually beat the last the the key the goalkeeper but i was actually quite impressed with what payet did i think if i had to keep like keep a note of the weakest player on the team i'd probably say benedetto but like how much can you blame him you know he was in the middle of, of three defenders uh, Vittorino Hilton, who, yes, might be 42, but we know how difficult it is to score against that back three. So I think he was a bit invisible, but how much can you blame him? You know, he's, it's, it's going to be a tough game for any striker out there. So I'm actually quite satisfied about that 4-3-3 with that tree up front. A bit more satisfied when they actually when Payet becomes the number 10 and German goes back to two strikers. But I think if you play that game again 10 times... Eight times of the ten will we'll probably win this game. I mean, how unlucky can you get? Mm. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I guess I would probably say that. I think I find Payet really exciting, actually, and he's doing lots of really interesting things with the ball, but sometimes maybe he's trying to go for the spectacular too much. I don't know how many times you saw him trying to chip the last... Defend, chip the ball over the last defender, or whatever, do, you know, put or do an outside boot kind of pass he's, he's always I think to just to comment Steph on that I think what, what illustrates your point perfectly is when we we were smart to play that corner very quickly towards the end and, and he just seems to be very confused about what to do to the ball when he got in front of in, in the six yard box yeah 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 but yeah just so sometimes like maybe he, he just he, he could just keep it simple um I, th I just think sometimes he's always trying to be like Zidane and do something quite spectacular and he doesn't always have to do that you know because um, you don't always pull, you rarely pull these things off. Um, I don't mind him actually being on the left wing at the moment. I know everyone's complaining and saying they'd rather see him in the middle, but as much as I think that when he's on top form, he's obviously much better in the number 10 position, but a lot of the time we've seen him in the number 10 position, he can completely disappear at a game if he's, you know, if the, the opposing team's midfield of, you know, are quite tight and they, they, they can control him. Whereas in the left wing, We've seen he's, he's got room to kind of drift in and move around a bit more. Maybe that gives him a bit more freedom to actually get on the ball. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I would say that if that's what's working for Vilas Boros at the moment, then I trust his judgment if he, if he thinks that's the way he's going to get the best out of him. Um, we'll really only be able to see as the season progresses. And I'd say like the, the issue about Germain on the right wing is like it's, it, it doesn't excite me. But again, like if it's working, then. You know, maybe that's what how we need to play for for, for now. You know, some a good manager will be able to, you know, move around players and try different things out. You know, and that might work tactically, but they might not seem, you know, the ideal choices for you or I. But I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not the manager. I'm no expert. You know, so yeah. Yeah, I guess just to conclude on that, why play against most things to be out on the left is because we get we we know the opposition will always see that as our main weakness and we'll. we'll push Amavi to breaking point, which always work, pays off for the opposition. So if he, I think, to close that debate, he'd get a lot less stick for playing out on the left if he had a proper left back behind him. Yeah. yeah. Alright, brilliant. So uh, I think just to keep uh, keep on time, I'll, I'll do the takeaways. So I'll give you each um, 30 seconds to just give your takeaway from the game. Um, just unanswered, I mean, undebated, just one by one. Just you know, what, what did you guys take away from that game and, and what are your hopes? So we'll start with Ed. Go for it, Ed. 
Disappointed, but not surprised. That's all really. Oh, okay, that was short and sweet. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, Stefan, what, what what would you take away from that game? Um, I guess the good thing is that we, again, are shown that we've got spirit, you know, to fight back. And rather, when the, you know, when the chips are down, when we're losing, you know, we can come back and even if it's just an equaliser, we've got some sort of fighting spirit in the team. It's been quite evident this season that we can grind out results. Yeah, cool. Brilliant. Yeah, totally agree. And Ben? Three uh, main points for me. Um, four games unbeaten. I can't remember the last time that happened. Five games. Um, five games, sorry. Five games unbeaten. Um, big improvement in the play, but not get too excited again because it was Montpellier and they left a lot of possession. But I think the intent is clear from the way the players play and the way they sort of try to combine and build up. So it's a totally different approach and a totally different training regime from whatever Garcia was doing. Uh, and the final point is, ugh, let's get Amavi out of that fucking team. Let's give Nkunku a chance. Let's try and let's try something different at left back and see what happens. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll probably echo yeah. most of your guys' takeaway points. Maybe not as much as Ed, um, but I think he seems to be on a, on his on his own island, Ben Ed today. Um, <laughs> seems to. I don't know if we watched the same game as Ed, but fair enough. Um, right, so let's look at uh, Tuesday's game against Dijon away um so we're playing against the bottom of the league um but away so we never sure really what we're going to see um in terms of the news uh, alvaro gonzalez is out for five weeks um with uh, some kind of injury to his right leg kamara is going to be out for this game and probably next weekend um so it probably leaves us with uh amavi chaitatsar and as villas said that his fourth um, fourth uh, central defender is Sakai. So we're probably heading towards a Amavi, Chaitatsar, Sakai and Bunasar back four. And then up front is really going to be probably the same. So what, what are you guys expecting from, from this game? Well, it won't be the same up front because Payet's going to be suspended oh, shit, yeah. for, for yeah. a lengthy period, unfortunately. And um, I think we're going to... No, I think he's the only other missing player. I, I, I think 2-0 will win. I, I don't think it'll be spectacular. I don't, I don't expect us to play as well as we did yesterday, but I expect us to continue on what we've shown in the game yesterday in, in some spells. Um, it's not going to be easy because it's always a bit of... A, they're always a bit dodgy, those, those midweek early kickoffs. So I think we'll get a result. We'll get the, the win. I think Benedetto will score and, and someone else will score. Um, but, yeah, I... I <sighs> I think that's the least we can hope for with with a bit of an experimental team, and uh, yeah, I, I think we'll I think we've got enough quality to see Dijon off. Brilliant. Okay. Anyone else? Uh, Steph, do you want to go first or? You go. Okay, I'll go first. Yeah, I'm a bit more cheery about this one. Dijon a not particularly good form. Um, I think we've still got enough talent to beat them. I think 1-0. It's 1-0 will probably be the scoreline. Probably some scrappy goal in the 86th minute. But I think we'll beat them. Because I just think we have a little bit more quality. But of course, it will be an experimental game trying out this new lineup, And we've got to get it right. We've got to get the balance right. If we don't get it right, you know, if Dijon put the pressure on, what chance have we got? We have got to... We've got to find out whether this lineup will work again in this, later on in the season if we need it. So, so it, Tuesday night should be fun. Tuesday night should be a f fun, interesting one for all to see. Mate, oh. Steph, you'll probably touch on this in your commentary, but I'm more curious to see how we shape up at front and how we reconfigure our front lines and what, what's going to happen at the back. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I would say. Is like, I mean, normally I'd expect us to beat Dijon, but um, it's Dijon, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. They, because they're last as well, and they're not doing very well. But, but yeah, I don't really know what we're going to look like. Are we going to play Chaitasar and Celtic, or are we going to Celtic, or are we going to play Peran? Well, don't say dirty words like that. No, no, no. On the podcast, Steph. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, ADB said after the press conference that Sakai is the fourth choice as a defender. So I don't is know where that okay, leaves Peran, yeah. but 
Okay. Well, um, and then up front, yeah, I don't know, Tovan's out, Lehaji's not, he's injured, isn't he? So Payet's out, so it's going to be Radonich, probably German and, and Benedetto, front three, I guess. Um, if, ben- if he chooses to play Benedetto and um, Radonich, I don't know, we'll see. Um, we should be winning this game, but with, you know, with those kind of players missing, we might not. Maybe he'll play Sansong on the right. He's played in the right as a right mid in the past from Montpellier. Maybe he'll do that and do a four-four-two or something with yeah. Germain and Benedetto up front. Or something yeah, like especially that. if you're playing Sakai as a centre back, you literally don't even have the option to put Saar as a right mid because he's going to have to yeah. play right back. Yeah, so maybe we'll do something with that to make it a bit more sturdy defensively. Have a midfielder that can track back, you know. Yeah, but, right. But yeah, I, I, I still hope we'll win. Maybe two-one. Yeah. Okay. And just to finish up the podcast, um. I'm actually quite excited, like you guys. I think it's. I think last game showed a lot of promise in terms of what we can do, even with quite a lot of injuries and a lot of of, of suspensions. So, it's usually in those times that we actually end up doing the best and like perform the best. So even with all those players, I'm expecting us to dominate this game and probably comfortably win. Um, I'm expecting like a two nil or three nil win, because Dijon are, are horrible. They're horrible, horrible, horrible players since 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 um. Since like usually you know they get they get off quite well at the start of the season and they start coasting, which is why they're allowed to play like the way they play. But because they've started so badly, they have to to play defensively and they just don't know how to do that. So I'm really expecting yeah, us this, to. This is a team. This is a team that was shit last season. They saved themselves in the playoff against Lens. And they, yeah. they had Comboire as manager. So what, what, what does anybody expect? So they don't frighten me at all. Yeah, um, but I mean, yeah, like I've got. I, I'm, I'm quite. I'm a bit scared of us what we're going to see in terms of tactics because I already think that playing 4-3-3 is, is not suitable for our team, especially since Tovan is injured. So now you're getting rid of our other half-left winger who's Payet. So you're going to have, I don't know, Jama as a right wing, Jordanich as a left wing. Like it's going to be a bit it's going to be a bit messy and then the back four is going to be quite difficult. So I think, even though I think we should win comfortably, but I'm a bit <laughs> frightened as to what we're going to see 10 minutes before the game starts. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. Um, do you guys want to say any any last comments before we round this up? I think that Steph, you you mentioned on the chat that the, the only last topic to discuss very briefly is the the Erbella situation that seems to be a, a constant fall in our side. We just can't seem to get it right with them. Um, I, I don't know. We I'm a bit a bit of mixed opinion about that because we seem to be doing well from a. Um, uh, sort of, um, you know, structuring the academy overall, and, and we, well, we see it against touch on, on the next game. Maybe Ake will play some part, and he's been smashing it in the reserves. So we seem to be doing all right, but for all the, all the, all the credibility and good work we seem to have done, where we've, we've integrated a few players into the into the first team squad, with that particular club, well, small club, or amateur club, Erbel, we just we just seem, I mean, there's a lot of legacy bullshit, I think, and there's a lot of, of bad blood between between the two clubs in terms of past relationships and past dealings, but we just can't seem to get it right with them. And what, what frustrates me the most is that, yes, you can't give in to everybody's demands, but these guys do consistently produce the best players of the region, so you've got to make a concession somewhere. Yeah, yeah. so I, I don't know if that's clear to everyone who's listening, so this is about like signing partnership agreements with you know, local clubs to get access to their players, you know, I, I understand, yeah, so that they, um, Marseille can sign young talents, you know, they get first choice of signing players from, from these local clubs, and Air Bell of repeatedly refused Marseille's advances whereas I think most all most of the other clubs in the region have all kind of signed up partnerships with Marseille since um, Evo and, and Zubi Zaretta took over um, but I, what I read I, so they've just signed um, Herbert have just signed an, a two year contract with Montpellier again um, yeah so they've pretty, renewed it they've renewed yeah. it that was already there yeah so that's pretty. That's pretty disappointing. Um, to and as you said, they're supposed to be the one that um, have the best, you know, produce the best, the better, best quality of players. Um, I don't know anyone who's came through it, but Lopez, um, Lopez has. Maxim Lopez. Yeah. Oh well, we got him, didn't we? <laughs> but um, so so yeah, it's just it's a shame. But apparently, the I was reading that the offer that Marseille had made just wasn't as good as what Montpellier were offering them. So you know, if we can't offer. 
as good as what Montpellier are offering, then maybe we need to review that, you know? So, yeah. I think I think they're trying to look. They're trying to look because they know that there's bad blood. So I think there's a bit of pride on the Abel side of, of trying to get as much as they can out of Marseille and probably ask, make a few unrealistic demands and see what happens. And then, but there's clearly, you know, it has always been like this in in any dealings with any external body. There's clearly a desire from him to not not give in and not not take a deal if he doesn't like the smell of it. Which yeah, maybe in this case it's. it's Maybe it's justified because, again, we don't know the specifics. But at the same time, if it is really a priority to focus on the academy because we're not sure we're going to have the spending money, you've got to make a sacrifice somewhere. And, and that wouldn't be a bad place to make it because I can't imagine they're asking for anything ridiculous. Yeah. So apparently, Marseille proposed 15,000 euros a year with other things attached to it and stuff. Well, that's, that's... that's fucking embarrassing. That's embarrassing. All right, um, I think we're going to have to leave it there. We're just past the hour. Um, so we'll probably be back here for another podcast next Sunday. I'm not sure if we're going to be able to to pull one out uh, for the Dijon game, but um, we'll see how it goes. So um, probably see you next Sunday. And uh, yeah, so have a good weekend. Thank you. Yep. How, um, just just closing, closing question. Steph, how does it feel to be a pundit for a change? I was a bit nervous <laughs> about it before, but it's alright, yeah, yeah, get to see more than <laughs> so we have to say, hurry up, hurry up, we need to move on, just let it catch you Trust me, I know, what, I know what you're playing now, mate. <laughs> yeah. Alright, yeah. cool, everyone, alright, so hey, see you guys. Cheers. Thanks, everyone. Cheers, guys, bye.